So welcome back to The Expert Edge. Today, I'm having a really cool conversation with one of my good friends, Brandy Mowles. And uh, the conversation is all around how to have an unslimy but high converting one-on-one sales conversation. And we really unpack uh, the four big mistakes that people make on their sales calls and then exactly what to do instead. In fact, I have got a ton of notes on my notepad uh, around this conversation. So you are definitely going to want to listen. It's it's a it's a shorter podcast than what we normally do, which I kind of really like because you're going to get a ton of really helpful information that is you're going to be able to use right away. And so if you've ever been concerned about doing sales calls, felt scared about doing sales calls, not known what to say on a sales call, had someone uh, you know, kind of got lost on your sales calls uh, throughout the conversation or just not got the conversion you've wanted, this podcast is going to help you so much. And so Brandy is someone who I really trust. She really helps uh, business owners and service providers create a more scalable business uh, with small teams. And she's just exceptional at what she does. So let's welcome Brandy to the podcast talking about the unslimy high converting sales call. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Brandy Moles, welcome to the Expert Edge. Oh man, Colin, it's Brandy Moles. Mouse, I was actually wondering that because I've never actually said your name, your last name out loud. It's totally fine. Everyone does it, but it's like vowels, but with an M. <laughs> Brandy Mouse. I love that. Well, Brandy Mouse, welcome to the Expert Edge. This is the place where we get all the names right, but we get the content wrong. So no, no, we don't. Um, so, hey, I'm excited to have this conversation with you because you've got some amazing skills and you help a lot of people. Uh, and the topic of today, we wanted to talk really about um, uh, the topic of converting people from sales calls. But before we get into that, I'd love to know, like, what's been your journey of building your business? Like, because um, I feel like it hasn't been that long since you started your expert business and it scaled up pretty quickly and so forth. Let's have a chat about your journey, first of all. Yeah. So it's so funny because it doesn't feel like it's long, but it also feels like I've been building up to this moment for forever. So as long as I can remember, I've been doing something in terms of sales. So I got my first job when I was 14 and I've worked ever since. And at some point it has been either in retail or with, um, serving, like I was a bartender server and what people don't realize that's all customer service and all upselling. And so I have been in sales since I was 14, went to college, then went to law school, and then found out about like direct sales, MLM, network marketing. And and I started when I was, I guess, 21, 22 in there and grew that very quickly. But that's where I got all my sales call experience. And I was trying to figure it out, but I would leave law school every single day, Monday through Thursday. And I was in Alabama where people sit down at their dinner table and eat at 5 p.m. And I would get home at 5 p.m., sit down with a list of 100 cold leads and literally dial and book appointments completely cold every single day. And I pretty much did that consistently for eight years. 
And so I was either cold calling or cold texting or cold emailing, but the majority of that was cold calling. And I got hung up on a lot because five o'clock Alabama people eating dinner do not want to be sold to, but I learned so much. And then I transitioned to the online business where I was a one-on-one service provider. So then that's all sales calls. That's actually how me and you first connected was through a sales call. And then now that I have my expert online business, I have found like three main ways that I use sales calls, even if it's not for a high ticket program. Mm. So I definitely think these can be used no matter if you're selling one-on-one high ticket or that kind of middle ground of a thousand to 3000 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, this is so, so cool because I feel like a lot of the time, you know, you watch people and they grow their business very quickly. And then you find out that it's like, oh no, you ground, you ground it out for a decade of doing cold calls or eight years of doing cold calls. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. Now I can see why, you know, why you're really good at what you do because you've actually done the hard yards. Now, I mean, the the faster way to kind of implement that is to just follow a system that you've already tested and, and been using for eight years to kind of refine it. Right. Um, but, but it's, it's so cool hearing that, hearing that story. Now I'm curious for people who are scared of doing sales calls, what, what is a good way to view sales calls uh, or your perspective of sales calls to make them feel more comfortable in that space? Yeah, I usually think that people are uncomfortable with sales calls because they've been on the receiving end of a bad sales call. Mm. And so they have it in their mind, oh, like no one likes sales calls or they don't like to get a sales call because they can't say no to people. And so that's got them into some sticky situations, but it's reframing it in a way that like, if we can get on, find out an individual person's pain point and then show them how we can help solve that or direct them to another way, like, holy cow, we're serving them at a way higher level than just selling them to the masses on a webinar or a live series. And so it's actually a more intimate connection with someone than mass marketing. Hey, don't attack the webinars yet. Just oh no, I teach away. webinars. I love <laughs> I know, them. I'm joking. I'm but joking. <laughs> people will do webinars all day long. But if it's getting on the phone with someone, they're like scared out of their mind. And it's yeah. such a more intimate connection. And you can really find their pain points when you're on that call. Yeah, I definitely think that like there's something beautiful about having a you know a one-on-one conversation where you can customize the conversation to really make sure that it's a, they're a right fit for the program that you show them that they, that you understand them. Um, you build that rapport when they join the program, they're more connected to you. Like there's something definitely beautiful. And I think that um, sometimes sales calls are looked down on because they are hard work. Sometimes they can be tiresome. They can be grinding. And if you're doing it over and over again, and you're not getting results, then that's like, exhausting and disheartening. So what are some of the mistakes that people make, do you think, when they come into sales calls? I'm so glad you asked me this, Colin, because I wrote down four mistakes that I see people make all the time. I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, it's not about how do we get this right? It's about how can we stop making the mistakes that I see most people doing? Mm. And the first one is they're not pre-qualifying the call. And so this can look a lot of different ways. So for my one-on-one service providers that I help, it looks like having a questionnaire before we jump on a call, Mm. because if the person can't even afford you, why waste your time or theirs on a call? 
or if it's for like a higher ticket program and they're not going to be a good fit for your program, do you have an application on front of that call? What does that look like? What are the questions? And I will say that I never ask people for a higher ticket, like how much revenue you're bringing in, because I don't think that actually dictates the success of someone in their business. So I think it's really asking qualifying questions that don't necessarily have to do with what's in their bank account right now, but what is their work ethic? What is, what have they tried before? What has been their past experience and programs? And you can get better information with those questions than asking them how much money they're making. And then can I ask as well, what, what are some, like, give us one or two examples of those types of questions that you found are not normally questions people might go to, but you found to be really powerful in gathering information from people to help them to see if they're a right fit and also move them into the program. Yeah. So I always love to ask the first question I love to ask is, is this a priority now? Mm. Or, and then I ask, is it a priority? Let me know your priority level. And it's, is this a priority? Like now, like in the next 30 days, I need to take action. Um, maybe in the next four to six months, I'll take action. Or I just wanted more information to know if this is even the right fit for me. I think that's a great qualifying question because I don't want to waste my time with people who aren't ready right now to make a decision. There's webinars, they can listen to podcasts, all that kind of stuff to warm them up. But calls yeah. should be for people who are ready to take action right now. Mm. So that's one question. The second one I always like to ask is, what is your business and life look like 12 months from now? If you get X, Y, Z. So like with me, if you launch your beta and are able to scale your business with two revenue streams, what is your business and life look 12 months from now? Mm. And one of the biggest things is a red flag for me is if someone says, I want passive income, because I know they're not right for my program because my, there's nothing passive about having a business. It's so true. Even a, even a passive evergreen program is not a passive evergreen program. Not at all. So I can usually tell with these open-ended questions Mm. so much about like, are they a right fit or did they only put like two words? If they only put two words, what I found is like, are I want a six figure business like that. Mm. If they can't even fill out a form and really think about it, I don't think they're going to be the right fit for my program. And so it's not so much about how much money are you making, but find out like where their heart and soul is, because that'll tell you a lot more about them than asking how much money they have in their bank account. Mm, I love that. And it's so true. Like I usually find on it from my experience of doing applications and one-on-one calls, the quality of how someone writes in the application, a lot of the time determines the quality of the individual on the call. Absolutely. You notice that? Um, yes and no, because I will say I'm someone that will fill out that, like I'll bullet point it out for people, but I'm also the person that types, like if there's a big boxer group and I'm like, okay, like that's me. So I'm not someone who's going to type a ton, but even with an application, I'll still like bullet point it out, Mm. like be very clear. So I don't think it has to be someone who writes a paragraph, but like just show that they put some effort in. It doesn't have to be an essay, but it's more like they've thought about the answers. They've put some some thought behind it. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, so, so that was one of the mistakes. What are some other mistakes that people make? So not qualifying, right? Yeah. Not qualifying. Um, Cause then they just waste one. their time oh, and then that one. screws up your conversion yeah. rate. And so then two is that the sales call goes way too long. And mm. what usually happens with that is you're too busy proving yourself to them. 
So instead of finding out like about them and if they're right for your program, you're actually like trying to prove your self-worth to them. So they'll pay for your program. You're trying to convince them of something and, or your services. But instead, when we keep these sales calls short and sweet, like I'm talking 30 minutes or under what we're doing is we're running the call, but we're letting them do the talking. And it's not about, can we prove our value? Can we prove our worth? It's about, Hey, this is what you need. Okay, great. Now that I've heard all these questions I've asked you, here's how I can serve you at the highest level. Yeah, because uh, energetically, I feel like you can feel it when, when even you can feel it in yourself when you get into proving mode and you, and you start like trying to tell them about why something's awesome or why they need something or anything like that. But you're saying like the, the call really should be about drawing out from them a, like like how much percent would you say it's drawing out as opposed to like giving information i think this is where the skill set comes down and this yeah. is something that can totally be taught this isn't something like and the best way to teach it is just by doing it and so mm -hmm. it's asking the right questions but also knowing how to interject when they're just going like off on a tangent so how can we interject to make sure we're getting to the point that we need? Mm -hmm. I like to take notes and I use their words back to them. Yes. So it's actually active listening. So many times us as people are passive listeners, but when you have a pen paper and you can actively write down the words that they're using, then that's where the magic happens. Cause after they say like, okay, this is what I want. Great. So what I hear is you want to make a hundred thousand dollar a month so you can pay off this student loan. So then you can build your dream house. That's beautiful. Okay. And then what most people do, they skip right over that. And then they go into uh, our program has X, Y, and Z. Mm. They don't care about what your program has. How are they going to get their dream house? How are mm. they going to build their house? How are they going to pay off student loans? Mm. And how can we show them what your program to, can do? I love that. So it's like this skill set that you have to get, but it's really about keeping control of the conversation yeah. and then always bringing it back to them. So it's not about like, I like what you're saying. So it's not about letting them just talk the whole time. Right. It's actually like you're letting them talk to a point where they hit the boundary of like, they're going off track or they're getting out of the conversation and you actually have to bring them back on, on track, keep them in the, in the zone. And one of the best like ways to cut someone off really friendly without just being like, Hey, stop talking yeah. is to say, okay, perfect. Hold on one second. I want to write down some of this stuff. So let me make sure I'm hearing this right. Because mm -hmm. then you're taking it back to them and showing them that you're listening. Let me make sure that I'm hearing this right. Like repeat it back and then ask your next question. So they don't feel like they've just been cut off because you just told them everything that you just heard. And then you're asking your next question. So you can very easily bring the conversation back without them feeling like you're just rushing the call. That's cool. I like that. I'm beautiful. Love that little technique. Uh, what's another mistake that we make? Yeah. So the third one is not asking for the sale. So this is the part <laughs> so where people true. just like freeze up. They will talk all day long on a sales call. And then it comes time to be like, here's what I'm offering. Here's the price. And they just freeze up. Mm. And so to go into the call, the part where you're actually pitching your product. I always start the conversation with, and I think this is really important, setting expectations. I tell them what this call is, what this call isn't. And then the magic words, as I always say, I'll only tell you about our program if I feel like you're the right fit and that we can serve you. So then you're already setting them up that they won't hear about it 
unless they're the right fit. So then you say, okay, so I've heard this, this, and this, these are the ways that I can help you. And now I'd like to invite you to be part of our program. Because Mm -hmm. when you use the word invite, it adds that exclusivity. It already shows them that they're ready for your program because you just already told them, I'll only tell you about it if you're ready. And then you go, you do the sale and then you be quiet. Like, this is the part that people want to like talk, 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 tell them everything they want to know. And then I always say, okay, now that I've shared with you about that, how we can support you, what other questions do you have? And that's when they always ask, well, what's the price? Mm. And then you tell them like, here's our price models. This is how we can support you. And then you be quiet. After you tell them price, just be quiet because they'll ask any other questions they have. They'll say anything, but so many times we tell the price and then we have to like tell all the reasons why they need this and like our guarantees and all that, like, just be quiet. Just let them you like get into proving mode again. You get yeah. into that like, convincing mode. And so when you're saying like, um, when you invite them, like, is that literally what you yeah. kind of recommend? I say, I would say love like, to invite you to be part of beta to be program. I would love to invite you to work with me one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I would love to invite you into our program, Serve Scale Store. So mm-hmm. I always say I would love to invite you. That's great. I, I, Everyone I, wants to be invited to the party. They yeah. may not come, <laughs> but they want to be invited. <laughs> so good. Uh, so not asking for the sale. And I think that there, there's definitely some resistance in people because it feels like it's like, oh my gosh, that's like the big moment, the big decision of like, am I going to, as a salesperson, get rejected? You know, it's like, yeah. that's that fearful point. What do you say to people about that? Like, and their the concerns about that? I always tell them most of the time when you're just getting started out, you're going to hear no's or mm. I don't know, I need to think about it. And that's okay because people need, based on the price point, and different levels of awareness to you, no like and trust factor, all those things come into play with sales call. Mm. So even if someone says no, it doesn't mean no forever. Yep. It could be a no right now. And so I would encourage you to get as many no's as possible because that means you're at least getting out there and learning mm. and record your sales calls because you can watch them back and you can learn a lot from watching your sales calls back. And so when yep. you get to that and you're like, oh, I don't want to ask for it. The best way to just calm the nerves is say, I'm inviting you to join. It's when you change the thing to, Hey, come purchase from me to, Mm. Hey, I want to invite you to come hang out with me. Come learn with me. Come let me help you. It's a totally different conversation than, okay, this is what I have. This is how much it is. Like, are you ready to pay? But I'm inviting you. And then once they say like, yes, I want to, I always say there's two ways we can do this. This is never a pressure. We can go on and get your card right now together and take you through the onboarding steps together. Or we can jump off here and I can send you the link. What works best for you? And some people are very, very like hardcore, want to close you right on that sale, get your card. I don't think that serves me. I don't think it serves them. And, you know, that's where that sales pressure comes. Now, some people say do it that way, but also I never want someone's credit card. (laughs) Honestly, I rather them just like plug it in themselves, but some people want that handholding. So I think the most, the best thing we can do when we get to that is give people options. And it's not saying like, join us a year from now. It's saying, okay, do you want to do this right now? Or I can send you the link and you can join us within the next few hours. And then we can get you onboarded. Mm. I like it because it, um, it takes off the pressure of, mm-hmm. but it also is when I say pressure, it still has the urgency, Yep. but it takes off the pressure 
Um, and it also you have the double bind choice of like, would you like A or B? Not like, you know, do you want to join now or do do you not want to join? <laughs> Right, you know, like, that like I can send you the link now, or you can join yeah, me right now. Just, like, which one do you want to do? Do you want us to hold your hand through the process now, or do you want me to send you the link and and you can get that sorted? Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. So, what's another mistake? You said there were four. Yeah. So the last one is no follow up. So I will say, like, I close sixty to eighty percent of sales, depending if they're cold, it's closer to sixty. If they're warm closer to 80, but I've also been doing this now for 10 years. Like this is like in my DNA. I 10 love years sales of 5 PM Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like legit telemarketers. So it was one of those things where I love this. Now, yeah. does everyone start out at a 60% conversion? No. And so really on sales calls, I looked up the stats. Most people, a good conversion is 30%. Hmm. I teach my people 50%. I think 50%, that means you're pre-qualifying them. Yes. I think that 30% comes because people don't pre-qualify. So if you're pre-qualifying, 50% is a really strong number and that should grow yep. with how much they're like, know you and trust you and things like that. And I think, yeah, qualifying is key, right? Yeah. Like, I, like that, the quality of the lead is definitely key. Like that'll impact. It's kind of like with an audience. It's like the quality of the audience impacts yep. a lot how the Absolutely. sales goes. And um, like, even with me, sometimes it's just building relationships because my audience isn't used to paying for mm -hmm. a multi-thousand dollar program. They're yep. used to like lower tickets. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a nurturing thing. And we yep. see that the people who don't sign right away come back to us in three months. They just needed that time. But I can say like this call made all the difference. We did yeah. this three months ago. Now they're here, but the follow-up's important. And I said three months, we know. And that's because I said like, once we do a call, it's not over. Like mm -hmm. until they say like, I'm never joining your program. It is not over. <laughs> so like we're that. setting, intentional, you know, follow-up. So if someone's on the fence and they're like, oh, I really want to do this, but I need to talk to my spouse. Mm -hmm. I need to give it like 24 hours. I say, great. Let me go in and get a 10 minute call booked with you in the next 24 hours. That way you had time. We can get back on here. I can answer any questions and then we can go from there. Every single person that I've ever done the follow-up call with that actually showed up and didn't cancel, which is really high, they join because they already know, but they want that knowing that you're giving them that extra attention yeah. and you weren't just like a number to them. Like you're not just going through the calls. They join because they just needed that extra reassurance that you're like there for them. And then the follow-up continues. Like we have people that joined the uh, sales call a year ago and they just joined us in our program yeah. because they need time, but we have follow-up systems in place. So just because someone doesn't sign now, doesn't mean they're not going to. And what systems can you put in place for that follow-up so you're not losing leads? What's the system you use? So we do everything in ClickUp. Yeah, yeah, you're and a ClickUp. I was going to say that. ClickUp girl. Yeah, so the applications go in there. We set date reminders in there. So then it just populates in my calendar, like whenever I'm supposed to follow up with them. We keep all the notes in there. So like, it's not like, Oh my gosh, I talked to this person 12 months ago. Like, what is their life situation? Yeah. So we Love have some it. people who are pregnant right now and they're in their first trimester. They don't want to like get into creating a program right mm. now when they're sick and everything, 
But I know in three months after they're into their second trimester, it's a totally different story. So I'm going to follow up. I'm going to see what does life look like now? We now have, you know, six months before baby comes. What can we put in place before then? So Mm -hmm. taking those notes, I like have a whole notebook that's like this tall of sales calls notes. And then I put them in ClickUp after I get done with the call. Right. Love that. Love that. Well, this has been so good. What what encouragements uh, or anything, any other things that you feel like is like different to your approach than to someone else of what they're doing that you feel like is helpful to think about to start doing in in sales calls? I think going in with a mindset that this isn't necessarily about the sale. It's about relationship building. I always say relationships over revenue because when we build relationships, revenue just comes Mm. and it may not come from the person you think. Like I did a sales call with someone six months ago. It didn't work out with her, but she referred two people to our program. Wow. You know, so it's like one of those, just build the right relationships and go in with a servant's heart and the sales will come, but you do have to still be strategic. Like we want to pre-qualify. We're not jumping on the call with everyone and know that sales calls just aren't for high ticket. So if you're a one-on-one service provider, you should be doing sales calls. Um, a cool thing that we did for our lower ticket, which is 997 for the year is once our cart closed, we sent out a survey. And we ask anyone like, why didn't you join us? Anyone who said, um, it was like something not money related. So any other that wasn't money related, we sent them individual, um, messages inside. Do you want to jump on a quick 15 minute call with Brandy? And we can chat about this issue and the conversion rate from that is we converted over 53% of the people who we would have lost in the launch just jumping on that. So like, even if you have a lower ticket, go through those surveys and send out individual emails, have your assistant do it and then jump on calls with them. And that's just like finding out what was holding you up and record them because that's amazing market research. Mm -hmm. And so even if someone gives me a no, I'm always looking like, how was this beneficial for our business? And I can always find a way. Yeah. If you're running, like, let's say you're running a webinar or you're running a presentation or doing a challenge or something, and you only want to book people into a sales call, like you actually don't do a direct offer. How do you kind of frame that transition in terms of, what do you like usually recommend people to call the sales call? Like you wouldn't call it a sales call. Yeah. Um, Unless you do, unless that's what you No, think. I don't. <laughs> what, what, what do you kind of recommend? Talk, talk to us about that piece. So when I was in direct sales, this is one of the first things I learned is like, when we're doing recruiting calls, they're never called a recruiting call. And so we always had a name for them. So mine was the party planning session. And now it's the growth game plan session. So I love alliteration. So I say, let's plan your growth game plan because I'm very growth minded. My people that are in my world are. So giving it some kind of name for my service providers, we all always called it coffee chats. Um, So just giving it some kind of name, but I Mm -hmm. will tell you one of the best tips that I've ever got. This came from a mutual friend, um, Taki, is that you book the sales call before the webinar. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Like we it told we were always doing it on the back end. We started doing it before the webinar and then pitched it on. And my books were like slammed full with that one trick. And so I think that we're so used to like, there has to be this big buildup before we offer the sales call. And that was totally like a mindset shift is like, oh, we can actually ask for the call before 
because we have some people that are never going to come to the webinar. Mm, I love that strategy. And I've talked about with relating to Taki's strategy in our program as well. I love that idea of like, so basically what Brandy's saying is that on the thank you page of the actual webinar, when people register, you actually have a chance to book in a one-on-one call. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. Like if you've got 10,000 people signing up to your webinar or, you know, 20,000, it may not be a right fit and you're selling a low ticket product, but it's a cool, like, it's a great little strategy to test out and and, and see how you go with it. So I, yeah, I definitely that. think it's a strategy for if you're selling high ticket one-on-one yes. services or a high ticket group coaching mastermind type thing where you're going to see the return. But, and once again, they're shorter calls. So, mm. um, I know he teaches 15, I do 30. I've always done 30 minute calls. Yep. So, and I, yeah, I was do- curious about that. What are your thoughts on like the two-step call? Cause a lot of people talk about the two-step call. I've never loved them personally. I don't love them. Yeah. And I think that it's because one, if I had a sales team doing my calls, then maybe it would work. But I'm also the type of person who got really frustrated with the two-step call. Like I was like, like I just want a link, like, just give me a link. And so, um, I always like to make all personality styles have a win. And I'm someone who just wants a link. I don't really want to jump on a sales call. Like I know I'm going to purchase or I'm not, but then we have our people who need more information. How can they jump on a sales call? And then we have people who they can make a decision based off a webinar. So that's why we incorporate all three into our business. Like we're not making people run around hoops to get there. Mm -hmm. So I think 30 minutes, you can do everything. And if you're Mm -hmm. pre-qualifying them, you don't need the two-step call because that's what the two-step, the first call of two-step is, is pre-qualifying. Do you kind of recommend, well, do you, do you have the, them book in automatically or do you look at what they've got and then book them in? So we have a few things. We have yeah. it where when you book a call first, because whenever you're doing this, you always want to make the call, like clicking a button on the calendar is an easy decision. Yeah. Filling out a form is a hard decision. Yeah. So how can we create those micro commitments? So mine goes calendar, book your calendar time, but then you have to fill out the form. There are certain questions that are automated. So if they click it, they get redirected. They can't like, it says, sorry, your appointment wasn't fulfilled because of this. Mm. And it's just a page that says like, you're not ready right now, but here's some resources. And when yeah. you are come back to us That's cool. or there's other ones. And then we also tell them on the application, we will review this. And if we don't think you're a great fit for the program right now, we'll reach out and let you know. So it's still like you're booking your appointment, but this appointment can be canceled and we let them know that ahead of time. And it's on the thank you page. So it says, look out for a personalized email from Brandy. Um, just know if after reviewing your application, it's not a right fit. We'll send you an email and give you some resources to help you along the way. And so they can't book more than 24 hours out because we have to be able to review it and all that. Yes. And then there's some trigger words that my assistant knows, like if these trigger words come up, like it's an automatic. You mean they can't book within 24 hours. Yeah. So that way we can like look at it. And then another thing with that is making sure you don't go past seven to 10 days out. Like no one wants to book, you know, like get it in or if not, then you're not ready right now. Yeah. Love that. There's been so many helpful things. Um, I've got tons of notes here. Uh, Brandy, what's, what's, uh, what would you say would be the best way for them to get in contact with you to even just like check out your content and get to know you and so forth? What's the best place for them to connect with you on? Yeah. So I don't have any specific resources for sales calls. It's just something I've been knowing forever and love to share yeah. information about it. But my Serve Scale Soar podcast 
We put out content every single Tuesday for service providers and leverage programs that are scaling their business. And especially those who don't want a massive team. I am not about having a big team. We keep it lean and mean. And so all that content is on serve scale soar. And then I'm not super active. I am not dancing around doing TikToks like Colin over here, <laughs> but I am always in my DMs. So if you DM me on my Instagram at Brandy Mouse, it's me that you're getting specifically. I love to chat. I love to build yeah. relationships. So you can always just DM me over there. Yeah, I love that. Brandy, um, it's been so cool having this conversation. I think honestly, the listeners are just going to like froth on this uh, on this conversation and I'm sure you're going to get um, contacted by them. Now, um, I want to know, uh, because I've watched you grow your business very quickly and now I know the backstory of why. Um, what's, what drives you? Like when you get to the end of your life and you're looking back on your life, like what would be your hope that people would would say about Brandy? The people that knew you, that were close to you, your clients, what, what would you be your hope that they would whisper about you? Yeah, that we created so many freaking memories because of Brandy. And so <laughs> that goes with, you know, one of the things I love is I'm creating memories every single day with my family. I'm there. I brought my husband home so we can go on these vacations. And now I'm helping other, specifically women. We do have men, but it's more women change their family dynamic, their generational dynamics, so they can be present to create more memories and have more choices with their families where it's not about like, gosh, we got to scrimp and save to go on vacation. It's like, we're going to freaking Disney world and splurging, staying at a deluxe. We're creating all the memories. We don't have to worry about money making memories. And so I just, I hope that people look back and say, because of Brandy, we were able to create a full life of choices and memories. Oh, that's beautiful. Brandy, you're awesome. I'm excited to see your growth in the future. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, Colin. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.